I'm Craig James, your host, and this is Big Audacious Idea, the show about thinking big and asking the greatest questions of the human experience. During our conversation, we ponder the future and endeavor to foster abundant thinking during times of uncertainty. We also investigate concepts such as abundance versus scarcity. Welcome to the show. When people create art together, the act itself is the art. It's called creative contact, and we need it as humans. There are enduring ways to improve the lives of people and businesses through art. Public places and parks are very special places. And when we integrate art into the mix, magical things happen. It's through this combination we get to experience human nature. Creative contact is coming into contact with our own creative impulse. In a way, it's a way to tune in to ourselves. Mac Love and Chanel Smith-Wiggum are a powerful combination. Chanel is state director for the Trust for Public Land in Ohio and spends her energies on helping create parks and to protect land. Mac is a product of and a creator of amazing visual art. His family roots go way back to the Mad Men era of advertising and creativity in business. He has leveraged his talents to create public art by way of helping others create art together. Chanel's and Mac's work has created ecosystems of creative contact, positive energy, and connection in neighborhoods and communities. Chanel, Mac, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Craig, for having us. And we're thrilled to have you here. Now, tell us a little bit about your stories and a little bit about you, Chanel. So I'm the state director for the Trust for Public Land here in Ohio, and we are a national organization that works to create parks and to protect lands. I've had the pleasure over the last few months to get to know Mac, to work with him through a connection, a lifelong connection that he has um, through his wife, Elise, who I met while I was at business school at the Weatherhead School of Management. Through our work at the Trust for Public Land, we work to engage communities in creative ways to create the parks of their dreams and the parks that they want to see in their community. And through that work, I've been able to be in partnership with Art by Love, Max Firm, to create something that I think is pretty amazing, which is a activity book that really engages the community for them to dream big about what they want to see in their parks. You may have visited some of the Trust for Public Lands parks, especially if you've been here in Ohio, and that includes the Cuyahoga Valley National Park or Rivergate Park in Cleveland on the Cuyahoga River. Really happy to be here with you today and have this conversation about big, audacious ideas. Well said, Chanel, and thank you for being here. And one of the things already I can hear will be our conversation about the integratedness of different aspects of life, the idea of place and art and community and connection and nature. So I can't wait to continue our discussion. Mac, good afternoon. Good to see you, our friend. Tell us a little bit about you as well. Hey, thanks, Craig. I'm really happy to be here. I myself am a self-taught artist, born in the US, grew up abroad, very well-traveled, and the son of a madman, a uh, international advertising legend, uh, at least in my own heart. And I've always appreciated the role that creative communications can have on the way that people connect to objects, to places, and to each other. And 
with our business, Art by Love, we try to channel a lot of those communications and a lot of that kind of research and understanding into highly constructive and enduring ways to improve the ways of life for people, for organizations, and for businesses. I'll add in a, a small little note. It was very serendipitous that Chanel's office is right around the corner from a public art wall that I've been maintaining since I first got here to Cleveland in 2013. And I had been doing these big, audacious chalk murals right around the corner from her office for years. And so that was a, a very early and fun first connection for us to recognize the impact that those have had and how much we appreciate passing by things like that. Well, you know, Mac, on this show, we've talked with some of our guests about uh, various big picture concepts, very philosophical, and a couple key terms that have come up recently are serendipity and synchronicity. And they're different things, but in similar buckets. And I believe that those kinds of things happen for a reason for sure. And obviously, your collaboration was meant to happen. And maybe the universe uh, helped nudge that along for both of you a little bit. So it's great to have you both. I think for starters, if we could just have a little conversation, the three of us, and maybe you can help me understand this notion or concept or idea of creative contact. Well, I know for myself, creative contact is, it's kind of two things. It's us coming into contact with the experience of our own creative impulse, the way that we feel, the way that we can leave an impression or make a change in our environment or our world. But it also means the ability to recognize that imprint elsewhere. So the beauty of a leaf, the way that the wind blowing through an environment and the smells that carry on it impact our sense of place and belonging and time. To me, it's kind of like this in-between space between whatever you think the creator is, irregardless of faith, but something outside that has made this world and our lives possible and the ability that we have to be present in it and to try to contribute and help others. Once again, I think I'm right that we're starting to converge powerful concepts of this experience we call life and the idea of being creative as humans and encountering nature and making art. These things are very much interdependent. And I think of you, Mac, as a artisan, a man of art. And Chanel, you're about place and nature and park. And I wonder, Chanel, maybe if you think about your world and your work, do you think of nature as art? How is art and nature the same or different? Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful question. I just want to start with community because community is at the heart of everything that I do and recognizing that there are communities throughout Cleveland and throughout the country and the world. They don't have the space to create their own space. And I see art and nature as an avenue to give people the power to do that. So we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic right now. The people who are most vulnerable to the virus are worried about if they'll be evicted at the end of this month. They're worried about if they can pay their bills or even keep their job. And so how do we make sure that nature and creative contact and art are avenues for them to cope during this moment, but also for them to recover? Can can't always stay in the place of worry. That's not good for us in our health, but we know when we go outside and when we're experiencing nature and as we are in that space, art can really bring us alive and improve both our physical and mental health. So I see it all as intertwined and not disconnected at all. You know, what's interesting about this time, you have me thinking about some of the things I've experienced. I live downtown in downtown Cleveland. 
And when you characterize a downtown, sometimes one doesn't think of it as a neighborhood or a community, even though it is. It's more so on the surface appears to be about commerce and transactedness. And what's interesting about this time right now, of course, I'd never wish anything like a pandemic on anyone. However, the societal rhythm seems to be shifting and changing. There's a different pace, different activity base, and oddly enough, almost a little more peaceful, even though we're all afraid and staying distant. So it's an interesting time right now. You know, am I accurate that this is not only art and nature for us to cope, but that the dynamic is shifting because of what the world's going through. Yeah, I mean, the dynamic is definitely shifting. And I was on the phone with someone from Metro Parks Toledo yesterday, and they were sharing with me how they are receiving new park visitors, people who have never visited the park before. But it's also a way for us to physically distant, but also socially connect. One of the things, and I'll let Mac talk about it more, is one of the things that he did as we were creating the Parks Unlimited activity book is that walk the neighborhood and realize that people are on their front porches. So public space and nature isn't just a park. Of course, that's what we work on at the Trust for Public Land. But public space can be that your sidewalk. It can be your street. And I think as we go through this pandemic, the definition of public space is expanding in a way that's positive for us in our community. So again, you're changing our perceptions and helping us see that these things are converging and maybe they're not so different. We don't think of a sidewalk as park or public space, but of course it is. Mac, uh, please do share. I know, I believe it's the at play effort, if I get this correctly, in Akron, where it wasn't about just, hey, let's do some art. It was about connecting, walking, understanding and intaking what in fact is this community? What is this neighborhood? Tell us a bit more. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a great precursor for this project that we just did for the Trust for Public Land. As someone who moved around a lot in my life, I could never take it for granted that the environment was what people told me. Everybody has a different experience of their own environment. And so when I would travel, I would always hop on a bike or go walking and I would just get lost in the environment. I'd go a new direction every day. I would try to get different vantage points. And what I came to realize was that in a very short period of time, I was gaining a much richer and more diverse understanding of the environment than people who may have lived there their entire lives. And now my understanding was very fixed. It was from that moment of time when I was there, but it was much more comprehensive. And so we have applied a lot of those approaches and learnings to the way that we do public art projects. And the At Play project was built entirely on this platform. We sent out a team, uh, myself included, and went down every single street in the city of Akron. That's over 2,400 streets across 24 neighborhoods. And many of them we would walk or bike because that's a very good speed to pick up some of the textures and nuances of the environment. And we talked to people, we did street intercepts and tried to find out from them what are the things that are impacting their quality of life and what kind of creative solutions can we apply that could achieve a 10-year impact? Because something we had heard very early on was that too often the investments in our public spaces are a little short-sighted. They're done for the immediate effect, not the long-term impact. And we knew that we could participate in something like that. Um, we needed to use our investment uh, to make a long-term improvement. You know, we think about this different pacing in our environment that's been forced upon us, yet at the same time, we need to act quickly to come up with solutions. And I was curious to understand this concept of creative contact. You know, what can it do for us? We're in this uncertainty right now. How does it either help us come up with a solution or at minimum help us deal with it and face this uncertainty? 
So this summer, we had all sorts of things planned for a participatory design to work with the community to design their own park. We were going to do outside kickball events, basketball tournaments, you name a contact sport, we were going to do it. But because of the coronavirus, we can't do that. But I've seen amazing ways that people have been able to stay in contact with each other. There's an organization here in Cleveland called Young Latino Network. And to make sure people are completing the census and registering to vote, they've been having caravanas throughout neighborhoods in Cleveland. And that's just people getting in their cars, playing loud music, riding through the neighborhood and handing out census and vote by mail information. And so this moment has really got us to the point where we are being creative about how we stay in community with each other, but also remembering that there was one point in time where we didn't have the internet, that we didn't have large gatherings or events that sort of way. So it's sort of like we're going back to grassroots organizing and just really getting to know your neighbor in a manner that's six feet away and with the mask on. But I think it's really forcing us to be creative in how we engage communities. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. You know, the show is timeless, so so often we're listening and our listeners are hearing something about the past, yet it's a timeless topic. And so whether we're during pandemic or post, hopefully sooner than later, our discussion here applies. It's moments like this where we really visit the things we need to as humans. And if I may, I'd like to go back to this idea of connection and diversity and community and byproduct of what we're going through right now in this time of history with social unrest. Are we re-examining how we understand each other's perspectives and the racial tensions that have happened are, I think, a symbol of all the work we have yet to do as a a society. How might we have an opportunity now, as difficult as things are, to connect better and more given what's going on? Through that At Play project, we realized how important it was to humanize the environment, how critically important it is for people to see signs of humanity and life around them. And what we're talking about is really like not signs of neglect or disrepair, signs of compassion, anything from people who might be maintaining their front lawn to just cleaning up a street. Little tiny things can make a profound impact in the way that we feel about our environment. Art is part of that ecosystem, but so is nature. And when it comes to the way that we treat one another, I think the pandemic and what's going on right now, it's been a a very interesting overlap that we are simultaneously so detached from one another and forced to be apart, but at the same time now being asked and hopefully many people proactively trying to better understand the differing viewpoints and experiences that people have. Because 
We talk about the bubbles in social media a lot, but before there was even social media, we already had social clusters. And you see them in the structure of cities and environments all around us, where people themselves were kind of excluded from certain easy avenues or areas of commerce or even opportunities connected to both. And so I think creativity is an interesting thing here in that like any artist, you restrict them and they'll come up with really innovative, unique solutions. And I think that's what we find a lot of people doing now. And my hope is that during this time, this separation, people don't isolate themselves even more. I hope that they look at the world with a more hopeful and open heart and find ways to connect with others in more human ways, particularly in their faith in others, and also maybe their willingness to be generous and make sacrifices and question the systems and dynamics that are around us because we are long overdue for a better way of life in this country. We certainly have the capacity for it and we need to let old ways subside and recognize what is going on right now and build a better future for everybody. That's what this country was founded on. And we, we need to get back to revolutionizing. You know, Mac, as you talk, you are bringing forward the notion that sometimes it's important to look at the very fabric, every aspect, uh, domains of society. How do we govern? How do we make money? What is money and why do we care? And what's capitalism? What's business? All these fundamental components. And it gives us a chance perhaps to go to the root definitions. We use a lot of terms quite often in our society, um, but perhaps we forget to say, what are we saying when we say a certain word? So the basics. In the first place, what is art? Two things. It's the child's drawing that's on your refrigerator to the work that hangs up in museums, to the beautiful synchronicity that we find out in our environment from sculpture or the natural world. But the other thing is, is, is the institution. And that's where I think we get a disconnect with a lot of people, where they believe that there's a hierarchy and rules and standards of art that where some things are art and some aren't. They don't think that their own subjective experience or opinion is valid or correct. And they are either disenfranchised from that or maybe lack the courage to express themselves or participate in it. And that's something I, I really want people to get back into, to recognize that the experience they have looking at art or the way that they feel about something that they're listening to in music or anything else is extremely valid. And that we're a healthier community when we share those feelings and share those experiences and try to create new ones for others. So what's interesting about this too, Mac, is the idea of consuming art and or creating art. And what you've done in your work is it appears like it's an integration of both. And maybe they're two different exercises, but they go hand in hand. Chanel, tell us about this thing called nature. Now that could be a whole show all its own. But when we use the term nature or park, what are the elements and the character aspects of nature? So nature, and I think most of the times when people think about nature, they think about the outside. They think about everything that doesn't include them. Um, but for me in the Trust for Public Land, nature is people. Um, and nature includes us taking care of it and being great stewards of nature. I think nature sometimes in many instances, especially in the communities that I come from, nature can have a negative connotation to it. But what we're trying to do with the Trust for Public Land is trying to change 
change that connotation and let nature be defined as a place for freedom, a place for activation, and a place for respite and meditation. So our work is all about redefining what nature means to communities who have been historically disconnected from it. Do you think that the composition of a network or community or a neighborhood will shift and change because of what we've been going through in this time in history? Will the the mix of concrete people and green space somehow change? That's our mission. Right now, there are 28 million kids who don't have access to a park within a 10-minute walk of their home. And it's our goal to really change those numbers and so that all of us have access to a high-quality park within a 10-minute walk of our house. And also thinking about those places, those iconic places like the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. How can we make sure those of us who live in Cleveland and Akron and those communities who surround the park are actually accessing the park in a way that is culturally appropriate appropriate for them to experience the park. So a lot's going to be happening as we look toward the future in a general sense. Maybe we take it away from art or nature, but if one or both of you would want to comment around, I imagine this for our future, uh, either an aspiration or a prediction, what would you say? I'm going to go back to something we said earlier. I imagine for our future that, like always, we will become oversaturated with our current experience and, and long for something new and that we will be oversaturated with social distance and have a greater appreciation for personal and authentic connections and communications. I just reflect back on moving to New York as a kid, being a little too young and finding a just a lonely tree on a street corner on Park Avenue and how wonderful it made me feel. And I knew in that moment, surrounded by all that concrete and glass, that it was not the right time for me to be in the noisy pandemonium of New York City, that I needed a little bit more nature in my life, that it nourished me. And I think art is nourishing. And I think the work we're doing with public spaces is incredibly important towards providing that nourishment for others. Beautifully said. Chanel, the future. Oh, the future. So like many people, this election is on my mind and also the 2021 local elections here in Cleveland are on my heart. And if I was imagining the future, I would imagine a city, and I'm pretty sure you've heard this before, is a a green city on a blue lake. A city that is taking into account nature, environmentalism, and art, and making them a priority for our community that they are not seen as nice-to-haves, they are seen as must-haves, and that they are top priority for those decision-makers in our community and that community voice is uplifted in those decisions, whether they be economic, environmental, or art-related in our community, are uplifted in our prized possessions as those decisions are being made. I think you perfectly segued into how we like to close these discussions, Chanel, and that is to think about deeply what each and every one of us can do. So if you were to issue a challenge to our listeners, something to maybe not do, but think, or at least pay attention to. What would you challenge us to do or think? So there's two things that I think that people should always do. One is they should vote. And right now in 2020, People should complete their census. But the other thing is people should be active in their local neighborhoods, whether that's creating or participating in block clubs or 
just simply getting to know your neighborhood on walks like Mac did in this community here in Cleveland. People are on their porches. And I think one of the best things that we can do to move our communities forward is for us to have conversations with each other. I think we've gotten away from when someone's walking down the street, we don't want to say hi to them um, because we might be, you know, impeding on their privacy. But I grew up in a community in a neighborhood where my grandmothers always sat on the porch and they always talked to the kids in the neighborhood. And I think we need to bring a little bit of that back to our communities here. Thank you, Chanel. You know, I think it takes intentionality, too. I remember during the height of the pandemic, one of the things that was advised for safety was if you're walking down the street with your mask on to actually look away as you pass someone because of the likelihood of having any potential infection go in the opposite direction, not toward each other. So it takes perhaps extra effort on all of our parts to use our nonverbals, our verbals, and our ability to connect through technology or otherwise, because we need to work a little harder to do it. Never before has it been more important to do so. So thank you for that challenge. Mac, what would you challenge us to do? I'm going to second Chanel's challenge right there, but I'm also going to throw a far out one uh, for you. I'm going to advocate that everybody listening to this at some point this week to blindfold yourself for five to eight minutes. When you do that, your other senses start to take over. And I encourage you to either go outside or go somewhere else, preferably do it with someone else and to experience the world and all of the information and stimuli that's coming to you from all of the other senses other than sight. Because I think it's gonna put you in greater contact with your authentic feelings about the environment and it'll also open you up to new perceptions and new relationships. And I think that's the type of perspective we need to continue to take moving forward to make things better, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. In working with the Trust for Public Land, we recognized and found this opportunity to use this moment during the pandemic to find new ways to get people to contribute their ideas and their aspirations for the environment. You know, we can't meet in groups like we used to, to have research sessions, but how much better would it be if we could put the ability for people to share their perspectives right in their own hands? And not just virtually, but a physical copy, a physical activity book that people who might not even have internet access could still participate in and share ideas in. And so working with the Trust for Public Land and Chanel, we put together this 16 page activity book, which includes a range of coloring book pages, multilingual prompts. Uh, the book is available in English, Spanish, French, and Arabic. And the book also includes many educational opportunities about local community heroes, opportunities to learn more about different cultures. Um, we have a design your own flag activity where we're trying to learn about the values uh, that people have and wanna see what brings them pride. One of my favorite exercises as well is not just a self-report where people can tell us a little bit about what defines them and what interests them, but also a household interview. Because we have so many multi-generational people living together right now, it's easy to take for granted that you know the people in your own house. But I guarantee you, if you're living with your mother or your grandmother and you start asking them some good questions, specific direct questions, your mind is gonna be blown by the things that you would learn uh, from them. So I was really excited to partner with the Trust for Public Land because I think these avenues for creative expression and input and sharing, they define our community. And if we can create a forum through this to share that with others, it's only gonna make our community stronger. So to find out more about the Parks Unlimited activity book, you can just go to tpl.org slash parks 
Unlimited. Or you can check out hashtag Parks Unlimited on social media. We've been listening to Mac Love and Chanel Smith-Wiggum here on Big Audacious Idea. I'm Craig James. Thanks for listening. We can create or consume art that's created by others. We can also discover the natural art that was created by the universe or all that is, God, or whatever term your faith may have you use. It's there. We just need to see it, recognize it. Being active and creative together is called creative contact. And creative contact, in many ways, is a coping mechanism. It heals and bonds us, and it fosters our physical and mental health. And more than ever before, public spaces and parks and beauty provide us with an opportunity to remain physically distant, yet socially and emotionally connected. Art co-creation could be the heart part of our human connection. Further, public spaces, well, they're co-owned by each of us, and intrinsically, therefore, it connects us. When we co-create in those spaces, we relate more meaningfully. Recent history is both detaching us and connecting us. And through creative contact, we can reach higher heights. You've been listening to Big Audacious Idea, and I'm Craig James, your host. Let us know what you think about our chat today with Chanel and Mac by tweeting me at cjamescatstrat. If you enjoyed today's conversation, well, don't hesitate to rate or review us in your favorite app. It goes a long way, and we appreciate it. Big Audacious Idea is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, production director, Bridget Coyne, and my co-executive producer, Michael D'Aloya. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't just think audacious, be audacious. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.